BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If I had a million dollars. I love it when you sing. (laughs) Uh, What's funny is I can't even remember if we even, in my mind, we may have actually mentioned this song when uh, when we recorded this episode. But of course, this is a bestie episode and we wanted to talk about what it's like to be a millionaire or even perhaps a billionaire. Oh, yeah. Well, by the way, so that song, Bare Naked Ladies, If I Had a Million Dollars. You, did you ever listen to them back in the day? Uh, a little bit. On the radio, at a least. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Okay, so somebody actually won a billion dollars recently. Mm-hmm. Not a million, a billion. Billion. Yeah, the winning, Billions. Winning like ticket. Austin. <laughs> One million dollars. The winning ticket came from... It's not actually a ton of money. So. Los Angeles, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, one, I didn't know... I don't know if you know this, Matt, but something I found interesting reading some of the coverage about this was that the store that sells the ticket, the they, owner of the store gets get, a million bucks. They get a cut. Yeah! Uh-huh. So I thought that was kind of cool. And... Uh, that, that's actually what fascinated, fascinated me the most because you honestly I, I wouldn't want a billion dollars but a million a million see these people like it, <laughs> that's life changing for those people and actually, the people who get a billion I swear I mean that's most lottery winners go bankrupt we talk about that in this episode you need to be well adjusted if you yeah. I mean honestly if you're going to receive any large ridiculous sum of money but you go ahead and opt for the million I'll, I'll take the billion <laughs> <laughs> well I think going from zero to a billion can be uh, can kind of mess with your head and I think a lot of people are going to well, if, there, if there's no foundation of yeah. understanding how it is that you should handle your money but if you have been making the right moves over time I think yeah. you could find yourself with a large sum of money and actually not completely ruin your life right there's certainly some ways you're probably going to mess up your kids yeah, <laughs> you right. know because that's the thing like we we even just as we're working and trying to provide for our families there's things that we do that that are very well intentioned but the fact is we just don't know how that money is going to impact you yeah. you and your family yeah so uh i was impressed with the store owners like when they were interviewed the million dollars they said listen yeah. it's going in savings and it's going to go help fund the next generation going to college i'm like that's cool you got your head yeah. on your shoulders straight and you know there's probably some other things they can do to try to make sure that nest egg doesn't dwindle but uh, i was glad to 
to see that they they were doing the right things at yeah. least. And was that person going to do with the billion? Who knows? Who knows? But I, I hope they also take a slow and steady approach. But um, yeah. Well, so speaking of messing up your kids, I just started uh, reading Fortune's Children, which is the story of all the Vanderbilt kids uh, and oh. how just basically how they just kind of lost it all. Yeah. Not lost it all. I don't want to. But that happens to it like by the third generation mm-hmm. uh, uh, that some of money's typically gone in uh, family wealth. So yeah. So yeah, man. Without further ado, though, let's hear what you and I, what we would do if we receive some giant sack of money uh, were we to receive some large windfall. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are asking the question, what if you won the lottery? Yeah, Joel, this is going to be a fun episode. We are going to talk about what to do, uh, not only if you won the lottery, but also, too, if you came into possession of a lump sum, right? If you just had some sort of large windfall, because let's be honest, few of us are going to actually be lottery winners. That is not the path to wealth that we would recommend. Uh, And so we've got a lot of great thoughts to share regarding uh, what to actually do, though, were you to win the lottery or if you came into possession of a large amount of money. Yeah, at some point in your life, there's a chance that somehow you're going to have more money than you know what to do with. And that, Matt, that could be from a whole bunch of different things. That could be like a bonus at work. That could be selling a house and having a pile of money. And you're like, what do I do now? You know, a lot of people are granted putting it directly into the down payment on their next house. But there are these moments that arise. And even if that moment never happens for you, I think there are some important things we can gain by asking ourselves this question, like, what would we do if we won the lottery? And I feel like we should actually be giving away some money on this episode. We're not. You don't have a wad of bills to, to toss out there <laughs> to the folks who are listening? Sadly, no. But we'll still discuss this in depth. We'll do this this like mind exercise, essentially, today about what would it look like. And, and Matt, you and I will actually share our thoughts on kind of how our lives would change if we won the lottery. Not that we're going to. That's right, man. But before we get to that, uh, I had a quick question for you. Do you pick up money on the side of the road? Like like if you see, say, a dollar on the sidewalk. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, quarter? It, unless it's uh, there's gum attached to it or something, yeah, yeah, like that, then I'm probably just going to let it be. If it's a poop dollar, you want to avoid it. But <laughs> exactly. what about, like, would you pick up a dime? Uh, Yeah, I'd probably pick up a dime. Okay. Penny. What about a penny? No, not a penny. Really? I, le- okay. I leave the pennies be. I would Pen- do- I, I want to see, I, we've talked about this on the show before, I want to see pennies yeah. banned anyway. Well, so It's still money though. It is. You know, so regardless of what you feel about it, it still exists and it's worth something even though it's not worth much. I would pick up a penny, I think depending on what kind of condition it's in, right? Because if it's laying there and it's like shiny, like super shiny and fresh looking, looking like it was just minted, you know, last week, <laughs> that kind of thing, uh, I'd be willing to pick it up. But if it's looking nasty... I'm not willing to risk my health uh, <laughs> for something that looks disgusting. But okay, so on a similar note, what would you do if you received a check? Oh, I thought you were going to say for a Klondike bar. N- no, of okay. course not. <laughs> this isn't like 90s television. <laughs> uh, what would you do with a check that you received from, say, a credit card company for one cent? So I would deposit it. Okay. Because I think, but I, there's a, a reason, I think, for the difference. One, the penny, it's going to go into my into my like pocket and I'm going to have to figure out at some later date what to do with it. I'll stick it in like my little change drawer in the car or something like that. put it in the jar and eventually you can, you know, take that into a credit union or somewhere local where you can actually deposit that into a real account. I guess you're right, (laughs) but it's just a little more cumbersome than it is to quickly deposit a check, even if it's a check for just a penny. 
I would probably deposit it. I, w- I wouldn't be so bold as to crumple it up and throw it in the trash without depositing it. Because principally, that feels terrible, right. right? Like to actually throw money away. But even though we still, like we might bypass money that's on the sidewalk, well, I ask you this because this actually happened to us uh, last week. We received a one cent check from a credit card that we had closed and we had a credit of one cent. And they went through the trouble of mailing us a check in the mail. No. I mean, what does it cost to mail a check or a, you know a letter these days? Isn't it like fifty eight cents? Yeah. The price went up, and so they, plus the cost of printing the check. And, and let's not, not even not just, let's yeah. not even count that. Let's, okay. let's let's quantify the known expenses. They spent fifty eight times more money on just getting that stupid check to us than the actual amount of money. It's ridiculous. So I think Kate thought I was just going to toss it, but like you, I was like, of course not. We're gonna <laughs> <laughs> flip that thing over. I signed it, pulled out my phone, took a picture of it, uh, loaded it in the you know the mobile app and deposited it but i agree it, there's almost a, a removed barrier when it comes to depositing money via a mobile deposit as opposed to it sitting in the jar for who knows how long but we want to encourage folks to be frugal don't bypass money even money that you see on the sidewalk because unlike joel you can take that money home maybe wash it if it looks extra nasty i'm i'm saying this for myself too i, I need gonna to give your penny a bath come on <laughs> uh yeah have you ne- have you never washed money I've even I've even washed bills before where like just put it under the running water in the sink with a little bit of dish soap and just set it over the side to dry. It's, I, I think if it's that's money money laundering in a whole different way. <laughs> that's the uh, the the legal <laughs> kind of money laundering. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I've done that, but I totally have. I know people that Cause iron I'm, their bills sometimes, and I've <laughs> found that to be kind of fascinating and. Yeah, something I'm probably also not going to partake in. Well, I wanted to share that with you because I thought it was a, a funny story because Kate was sure that I wasn't actually going to deposit that that one cent, but I felt like I had to. Uh, I feel like she should know you better at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she should have known that you were definitely going to deposit that. I could have, yeah, I could have fallen on the other side where I was just like, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to waste <laughs> my time. I'm being cheap with my time yeah. were I to go through all that. But it, it isn't very hard to make a mobile deposit anymore. That's right. Your, your time's not worth that much yet, you know. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on, Matt. Let's mention the beer that we're going to have on this episode. This one's called Crucial, Crucial, Taunt, Taunt, Enhanced. <laughs> <laughs> Fascinating beer name uh, by The Vale Brewery uh, out of Virginia. And they make some great stuff, man. Looking forward to uh, having this beer uh, today on the show with you. But we'll get to that in just a little bit. Let's get on to the subject at hand, Matt. We are asking the question, what if you won the lottery? And there was actually a recent lottery winner from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. This guy, actually, he won the lottery two weeks in a row. Never heard of this before. <laughs> he, he won $40,000 the first time. And then he decided, you know what? I like my chances. I think this is going to happen again. <laughs> uh, and he was right because he Which won $4 million with the crazy. second ticket, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But here's the thing, right? You have a greater chance of being struck dead by falling airplane parts <laughs> than winning the Powerball lottery. <laughs> actually, you're 30 times more likely to get hit by falling debris from a plane than you are to actually win the the, the Powerball jackpot. Yeah. So, I mean, if that doesn't put things in perspective, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what does. But uh, that, I think that what that really says is that playing the lottery is really just a complete waste of your time yeah. and money, even if this one anecdote of this guy in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, makes it seem like it isn't. It's like, oh, that guy won it twice. I mean... I could probably win it once, right? <laughs> well, the answer is no. And uh, I guess... Matt, well, you could, but it's incredibly highly unlikely. Right. And so the question is, well, how much money are we wasting playing the lottery each year? And over $1,000 per person a year, on average, is what people are spending playing the lottery. Some people, obviously, more than that. Somebody is spending... 
$2,000 a year compared to my zero, I guess. But today on the show, we want to get a little imaginative and talk about what life could or should be like if you actually did win the lottery or came into a lump sum. Uh, But we want to say, you're not actually going to win the lottery, so yeah. don't even try. Uh, <laughs> that in and of itself is a bad idea. It's a waste of your time and money. Yeah, we've all heard of the phrase, uh, easy come, easy go. And when it comes to winning the lottery, man, there is a whole lot of truth to this one. Um, because most lottery winners actually go broke. 70% declare bankruptcy, in fact. And most of these folks go from you know having very little to becoming you know, filthy rich, and then going back to having nothing within a span of uh, three to five years. Yeah, it's a short-lived cycle. It's not like it even lasts. Like it's a, it, it wasn't a great 20-year run or anything no, like that. Just, it's like... <laughs> No, just a few years. Yes, exactly. And receiving just an insane amount of money like this actually ends up causing financial troubles, uh, which is kind of crazy. Studies show that lottery winners don't end up any happier as well. Winning the lottery is actually a a quite miserable experience for many. But still, we want to pose this question today. We think that there's a lot that we can learn by mulling it over, by, uh, you know, talking it over with a friend or a partner uh, if you're sitting at home listening. Because even though, statistically speaking, you're not going to win millions of dollars, uh, we feel that this exercise can provide some insights just about the ways that we want our time and our our money to change. Uh, And so, yeah, we want you to ask the question, what would I do with a large sum of money that fell into my lap? Well, yeah, many of us are likely, I would say, to see some sort of a windfall at some point in our lives. Some of us actually recently saw it this past year when it came to stimulus checks. That was kind of a windfall for a lot of people that was unexpected. And I know a lot of How to Money listeners were responding and saying, listen, I'm still employed and I got this you know, sum tossed into my lap, especially if you had a couple of kids, I'm not sure what to do with it. Uh, it could be a huge bonus at work that you weren't expecting. Or maybe you sold a house, like I said earlier, for 50,000 more than you thought you were going to, which is not unheard of in this market. Oh yeah. <laughs> or yeah, maybe it is an inheritance that you weren't expecting some uh, uncle <laughs> that you like hadn't spoken to in years left you in his will, and you got some cash and you don't know what to do with it. And if we haven't taken the time to think through what we would do in these scenarios, there's a good chance that we can make the wrong decision in the heat of the moment. It's really, it's the reason that office buildings and schools have fire drills, right? It's important to plan ahead because when you smell smoke, the alarm's blasting, there's like hundreds of coworkers or in the case of a school, little kids running around. It's easy to panic and make the wrong decision. So yeah, having that plan and then practicing it helps everyone know what to do when a real fire happens. It helps that muscle memory to kind of take over as opposed to trying to figure it out in the moment. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, without a plan, we just get swept up into the crowd and just do what everyone else is doing. Freak out, uh, Uh, run in circles, that kind of stuff. And here, you know, that might actually work out if you're just trying to get out of a building because most folks are probably running for the exits. You know, but this could be treacherous when it comes to what we should be doing with our money. Because, yeah, have you seen the kind of financial decisions that everyone else is making out there? If you don't have a good reason to not go with the flow, well, why wouldn't you do what everyone else is doing? Why would Wouldn't you live your life in a way that just mirrors your parents or mirrors your coworkers? Uh, Why not buy that new gadget that uh, everyone else has or that's being marketed to you that popped up in your Instagram feed, which (laughs) I'm telling you, man, those ads are getting so targeted and so specific. uh, It's ridiculous. Uh, By the way, I saw that TikTok (laughs) just launched uh, the buy feature in in that feed too. So it's it's coming at you from everywhere. People are going to be buying left and right. And so if you haven't given it much or honestly any thought at all, 
we're likely going to just drift through life. We're going to be like a, a ship without a rudder if we don't proactively and intentionally think about what we're going to do, not only with our life, but with our money. Yeah. And, and I guess some of the things that we see other people doing, they're not always inherently bad, right? right there there yeah, are people yeah. around us who are doing good things as well. For example, like taking on an ambitious project at work, you're stepping up and you're looking for ways to prove yourself, to demonstrate that you have the leadership and the brains to get it done. You've got what it takes. Exactly. Yeah. And that sounds like that's always a good thing, right? In order to move up the corporate ladder and get ahead. Um, that probably does mean that you're closer to that next promotion and maybe even closer to that C-suite career path that you had hoped would potentially happen um, and a salary that's commensurate with it. But it also means working over 70 hours every single week if that's the pursuit you take on. And when you realize that, it's crucial to do some soul searching before you end up embarking on that path. Case in point, Matt, look at the uh, the junior bankers on Wall Street who make $100,000 plus. That's the starting salary for someone fresh out of college. But they don't have a life. Like they, right. they don't have anywhere to spend that money because they're working so much. And I guess the question is, like, are the sacrifices worth it, right? Is it worth right. the sacrifice of your friends, your health? And to be able to even see your family, is that what you want your life to look like? It's really, really important that we're intentional with our lives. And so it's not even always bad things that are leading us astray. It's things that look good, but they're like wolves in sheep clothing. They're, uh, <laughs> they're, they're actually bad because it's not what we want. We're just kind of following some stock trajectory. So not only do we feel that it's an, an important exercise to think through uh, what you do with a load of money, but it's also a fun exercise. It's a fun mind game as well. It's like Brewster's Millions, man. Did you ever watch that movie back in the day? Uh -uh. Richard Pryor? So I think the, the premise was basically that he wa could inherit $300 million, but first he had to spend $30 million in 30 days and he couldn't have anything left to show for it so it's just kind of like it was a comedy with oh. Richard Pryor John Candy It's one of, we should go back and watch <laughs> it man that was like yeah just kind of a, a fun exercise right but even so thinking through that like you know like what's interesting about this is that it opens up this whole realm of questions that are worth pursuing and you know like you mentioned earlier we're, we're going to get personal and share our responses too hopefully we've already made a compelling case uh, why winning the lottery is actually a terrible goal and nearly impossible and impossible true uh, but rather dude I want us to strive to build wealth instead of just striking it rich. And this might sound like semantics, but there's actually an important distinction here. I think the biggest difference is that someone who is rich is going to be focused on spending and consumption, whereas someone who is wealthy, uh, they're going to focus on how to preserve, how to invest, and how to grow that money. Riches are just kind of like the, a flash in the pan, whereas wealth is going to be able to endure not only years, but decades and even generations as well. Uh, and so investing and spending are, are both important when it comes to living a balanced life. And so we're going to walk you through what steps you should take uh, if you did happen to find yourself the recipient of a load of cash. And so we will actually get to more of that right after this. I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with, uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000. 25 and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 
25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. No matter how hard of a worker you are, you probably like to kick back, relax, and just chill every now and then. But if you're an investor, that's the last thing you want your money to be doing. You want it to be out there working hard and kicking butt. That's exactly what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help it do. Betterment's automated technology gives you advanced tools that are built to help maximize returns. We're talking tools like diversified, expert-built portfolios of low-cost ETFs, Keeping those expense ratios low is key to seeing your investments compound over the years and decades. A high-yield cash account where your money can earn 11 times the national average. Listeners know that they need to have an emergency fund set aside for those completely unforeseen expenses. A high-yield cash account is the perfect place to park that money in automated investing technology like automated rebalancing. That way, if certain industries are, say, growing like crazy, your portfolio, it stays on track. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. All right, we're back from the break. We are asking the question and posing it to you, dear How to Money listener. Uh, what would you do if you won the lottery? And like Matt said before the break, if you only focus on the spending side of the equation, you might be rich for the moment. But right. it's, it's likely not going to last very long, right? First, it's important to make sure that you're making wise decisions with your money. And we believe that there are practical steps that everyone needs to take. There's a hierarchy and an order that we want to make yes. sure that you've got in line and you go in order of importance. And we call them the seven money gears. Uh, they lay out essentially that pecking order of financial priorities. And it's just really, really easy to see, oh, I'm right here, I'm on money gear two, or I'm on money gear four, and here's what I need to do next. 
So yeah, where you are on your financial journey will determine the actual money moves that you should be making. And the best way we know to help you pinpoint exactly where you are is that seven money gears formula that we came up with. That's right. Yeah. So for example, if you're on money gear number three, this lump sum uh, that you might receive will act like a supercharger to help you tackle some high interest rate credit card debt that you might have way more quickly. Uh, maybe even in one fell swoop. Just depends on how much debt uh, that you've accrued and how big that random sum of money is that just ended your life. Or maybe you're in uh, money gear number six. If that's the case, then you'll have more options at your disposal. Uh, you've been handling your money well for years if you're at this point where the only debt that you have is a mortgage, but you now have the added benefit of your financial life becoming a whole lot simpler, which is really appealing for some folks. And so we're not going to go through all the money gears right now here on this episode. Uh, we've talked about it in previous episodes, but we would highly recommend you to head over to howtomoney.com slash start dash here. Uh, and you can find links to that from our landing page on our website. Uh, but we've got all the different money gears listed out and you can easily and quickly determine where you are on your money journey. Yeah. And it can be incredibly satisfying to work your way through the money gears. It's kind of like watching the dominoes fall. <laughs> oh, actually, you know what that makes me think of? Have you ever seen the uh, like this demonstration where you've got like these dominoes that get way bigger? So there's like a small one, but it's just, oh, it's just yeah, big yeah, enough yeah. to knock over the this bigger one, which is just big enough to knock over this other one, which is huge. And eventually the dominoes and get like, enormous. I mean, yeah, seven down the line or whatever. The, I mean, it's able to knock over this massive board that's a giant domino. And that's kind of what we're doing here with our money gears. Yeah. So maybe you're currently contributing four percent to your 401k at work and you know what you, you need to contribute two more percentage points in order to get that full match well that's money gear number two so once you're able to do that you're like boom i'm on to the next thing i'm paying off high interest uh, credit card debt and any sort of high interest debt that's hanging in your life yes and it really can be motivating as you start to see the dominoes fall and continue to work your way through it just gets more fun uh, the more dominoes that fall right and, and, and it's not that it's not fun to knock over some of those first few dominoes you can have a lot of fun in life before you reach you know, this pinnacle where you're able to, to spend and invest a lot of money. Exactly, exactly. But there's just more freedom when it comes to like how you want to appropriate that money when you're further along in the money gears, right? But we want to make sure that you are doing the smart things with your money first. And then you begin to start dreaming big. So yeah, if you won the lottery tomorrow, that's great. But we want to make sure that you know which money gear you're on and which money priorities you would be tackling first before you start to think about uh, the kind of fun things that you would spend that money on. Yeah. For the most part, what we're basically saying here is that uh, money gears one through six are kind of like required reading before you, you're able to move on to, to number seven. Yeah. It's uh, like, it's like, why would you start with Harry Potter book seven? You wouldn't. You'd read the first six first. Duh. Exactly. You yeah. wouldn't even really know what's happening. <laughs> But I would say, you know, if you haven't spent much time thinking about what your life would look like if you received a, a massive windfall, then like some out there might feel it, it difficult to bring themselves to spend any of it. You know, maybe you're paralyzed by the fear of doing the wrong thing with that money. But one of the ways to do this is to create a personal mission statement. Here on the show, oftentimes we, we call this the why behind your money, but being able to hone in on what is important to you, like that will also dictate what you should do with this money, or at least it should dictate what you do with that money. Uh, and so think through some of the, the longer term goals and what it is that you'd like to achieve over the next five years or over your lifetime. Another question you can ask yourself, if I'm going to die next year, like what are my actual priorities in the here and now? 
And we've actually got a great free worksheet up on the website uh, that we will link to. But you'll be prompted to answer some, some questions like these, uh, and it'll give you some clear direction as to what you should be doing, not only with your life, but then what you should be doing with your money. Uh, we will make sure to link to that in our show notes, but you can go directly there as well by going to howtomoney.com forward slash money mission statement. Yeah, I, I love giving our listeners homework assignments on occasion, Matt. We don't do it very often, no, but yeah. this one we think is worth your time. And, you know, if you go to that link and we're not trying to sell anything, we just really want you to take the time, be introspective, take an hour to go through some of the questions that we've listed out and to think through some of this stuff because it's going to be really instructive into not only how you move forward with your money, regardless of whether or not you won the lottery, but also just kind of like how you think about what it looks like to live a good life. Um, and it's also help, helpful to keep in mind like your favorite things to do. That, that's one of the other things we talk about actually in that money mission statement. Research shows that the happiest retirees aren't the ones that have saved the most money. They're actually the ones who have uh, a comprehensive lifestyle plan. And a friend of the show, Wes Moss, has actually written extensively on this subject. He's a financial planner in the Atlanta area, and he's found that it's the hobbies and the people you have around you once you're done working that make retirement great for you or not so great. You know, he found that the average happy retiree has 3.6 core pursuits, while the unhappy person in retirement has less than two. Saving money, obviously, <laughs> we're big fans of that. We think it's really important. We talk about it a lot, but it's not enough. If you become too focused on the money side of things, you'll be missing out on the really good stuff. And so that's why this uh, money mission statement we think it's really instructive for individuals to spend a bit of time answering those questions uh, because it's going to inform uh, how you decide to allocate your money and whether you decide to allocate a little more towards retirement because you're not prioritizing it enough right now or whether you say, actually, right now I'm overdoing it. I need to live life a little more in the here and now. But we hope you give it a shot and we hope you find it helpful. Yeah, going through these steps will help you to think about the the most important things in life. Uh, and what's fascinating, too, is that many of the things uh, that you're going to likely write down don't even cost much money. But, you know, they might help you to realize that you want to, say, work less, maybe cut back to part-time hours eventually, or even, like, take an extended leave of absence. But... At the same time, it also might not mean doing less. Uh, that kind of depends on you, depends on the individual, because maybe you've always wanted to start your own business or write a book. This lump sum of money can help you to uh, do something that you've been putting off, and these questions can help you to pinpoint the things that you really want to accomplish with your life. Yeah, or maybe I made the C-suite example earlier, Matt. Maybe you realize that that is actually something that you want to do and you want to work 70 hours a week. And that is truly fulfilling for you. Like we all find fulfillment in different ways and we don't want to knock anybody's pursuit of doing something that they love and enjoy. We just want them to do it with intentionality. Yes. And yeah, even if a giant lump sum never falls into your life, you're likely to find that doing this introspection um, can help you to begin to fund certain things that you haven't prioritized yet and that you realize, man, I should have gotten started. I should be putting money where my mouth is. Uh, now that I know and I've got it in writing that this is important to me, I'm going to do so. And you might realize that you actually have the money right now to make some of those things a priority, even though it felt like uh, maybe you know a multi-month trip to Ecuador or that pivot to starting your own business was out of reach, maybe you'll realize that it's not, that you actually have the money on hand now 
and it's important enough to you that you actually begin to get the ball rolling earlier than you thought you could. I think you're going to be able to use some of these responses to help you create short and concise uh, money mission statements that guide you through good times and bad, uh, through market ups and downs, through employment ups and downs, and through just, yeah, the shifting landscape of your life. So yeah, that's why we think putting pen to paper, going through an exercise like this can be just immensely helpful, not just in the here and now, but also if you were to stumble upon just quite a bit of money. And yeah, so Matt, after the break, you and I, we're going to talk about what we would do if we stumbled into a whole lot of money. And then we're going to give some lessons, five specific things you need to do if a lump sum does land in your lap. We'll get to that right after this. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. I got my first life insurance policy almost a decade ago. And hey, I'm still kicking it. I very much hope that trend continues, Matt. And since then, I've actually added coverage via Policy Genius. And if you out there, you're listening and you're worried that this is going to be a massive pain getting life insurance, think again. Policy Genius made it an incredibly easy process. If you have loved ones who rely on you and your income, Life insurance is a crucial part of your financial plan. Not only does it provide a financial backstop for your family, it also gives you peace of mind too. Plus, the longer you wait, the more rates go up because life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. So if this is something you've been putting off, it's time to make it happen now. That's right. Yeah. And even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Hey folks, it's Matt. I've got to tell you about something new I've been trying this year. I've been drinking a little Health Aid Kombucha every day, and I feel amazing. It comes in so many delicious flavors, but my favorites so far are Pink Lady Apple and Ginger Lemon. So what exactly is Health Aid Kombucha? Well, it is a fermented, bubbly, probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice, and it's super thirst-quenching, a little sweet and a little tangy, and very refreshing. I'm sure you've heard about the importance of gut health and supporting uh, your overall health. It's something I've read up on a good bit over the past year, which is why I've made Health Aid Kombucha a part of my everyday routine. Literally every afternoon, I'll have some. It's super easy, and it's affordable, too. My favorite grocery store, Aldi, they carry it as well. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. 
All right, we are back. And uh, Joel, you know, kind of talked about this before the break, but uh, what would you do if uh, if you won the lottery? You want to kick it off first? So <laughs> I would not go to Vegas. That's <laughs> that's you know I've still Actually, never I've been to Vegas. Actually, I've heard you talk about going to uh, the casinos before. Uh, specifically, is it blackjack that you you enjoy? Yeah. So my mother-in-law lives 30 <laughs> minutes from the casino, and once every like two or three years, I'll go there and I'll you know take a hundred bucks and I'll play some blackjack, <laughs> and I do find it very enjoyable. But I would not ramp up my uh, gambling. <laughs> uh, if if I won the lottery, w- what I would do, I think, Matt, it really, you know, you and I have spent a lot of time talking about this because we're best friends. We talk about this kind of stuff off the yeah. air, and you know, it's my goal to live life in such a way that winning the lottery would really have like a minimal impact on my life. I wouldn't want some massive lump sum to change much about the way I do the day to day. Really, I don't have any. We, we actually write about this on our about page on our site too. We don't have any desire to be the next Jeff Bezos or right. the Elon Musk. Like we don't want <laughs> billions of dollars to our name. So if I somehow landed in that position, my first instinct would be to you know invest a chunk for the future just to make sure that it's growing and totally. that I keep my options open. Right? Yeah, that's uh, money gears one through six. Make sure that you are doing eliminating debt and making sure that you're preserving your money uh, and hopefully making it grow. Exactly. And uh, even if I'm not sure what to do with it right now, I love. The the idea of saying, all right, it's it's going into the market just so that I can prepare for the eventual things I want to do with it uh, that gives me time to decide. Then, Matt, I think I would find a way to go all Mackenzie Bezos on like a huge swath of that money. <laughs> I, I've been like really impressed by her approach to philanthropy and her desire to give away like a huge chunks of her fortune. So, uh, you can tell that her desire is not to absorb this and live some you know lives of the rich and famous lifestyle, but it really is to say like, what good can I do with this money? And mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. Um, I think on top of that, I would try to find ways to incorporate some of that money to give a small boost to some of my current financial priorities, especially when it comes to like spending more on lifestyle things for my family and I, you know, maybe a little bit more on some of the art that we love. I've talked about my Mm -hmm. love for local art and folk art on the show before and taking trips with my family, taking some maybe trips that were a little bit further off in the distance for us, uh, maybe taking some of those trips a little bit earlier than I thought. But other than that, like, I don't think much would change even if millions of dollars were thrust into my lap which I don't imagine that happening anytime soon. But, uh, you know, we would keep our house. We would keep our old school 2006 minivan. I don't think I would upgrade either of those things. You know, from the outside, if it wasn't on the news, like, Joel won the lottery. Most people, I don't think, most of my friends wouldn't know about that windfall unless I actually told them because I don't think they would be like, whoa, what's that guy doing over there? He's obviously just spending, he's spending so much money. He, he didn't used to live life like that. That's not the kind of, I, I'd really want to keep things very similar to the way they are now. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think we're, we're in a really similar boat, you know, like over the years, we've given a lot of thought to what we want our lives to look like, like right now. And we've just worked towards that goal. And so I feel like we're, we're kind of almost living like we're millionaires now, like almost like we already have won the lottery. Right. Like, and so I wouldn't foresee any massive changes to the, to the way we live our life but rather maybe a gradual ramping up of the things that we're already doing, sort of like you said. Like I could see how we could just maybe increase the spending on some of those categories just slowly over time. And, you know, like another practice that I think some folks might find helpful is to think through what you want your everyday life to look like. Like I know uh, for Kate and I, like because we have kids, 
like the next 16 years of my life, like they're probably going to look a specific way, right? Like, and it's, it's going to include going to elementary, going to middle school, going to high school. Uh, and so like at the moment, I can't think of many massive life goals that I want to have accomplished by the end of my life. But as a parent to kids in school, I have a pretty clear view of what my ideal day-to-day life should look like now. You know, like earlier we're talking about... You're saying your biggest priority is more family than career-oriented. Like you sure. really are more focused and not on... not just family, but just what I want to fill my days with. Because yeah. sometimes it doesn't include family things, yeah. right? And I guess I mentioned this because earlier we were talking about mission statements. And I think sometimes it can be difficult for some individuals to latch on to like the big thing that they, they want to have accomplished in 20 years. And so if that's you and you have a, a difficult time thinking of this m- money mission statement uh, that you want to wrap your head around. Sometimes it can be more helpful to think about what you want your your day-to-day to look like. Uh, yeah, your money can then inform. It doesn't have to be all these big future things. It really can be like, how can my money allow me to live every single day right now in just a way that's more conducive? Like it can mean less hours worked on a consistent daily basis, like, or exactly. uh, just more flexibility in your work or commute options. Totally. And you can say, you know what, right now I can take less money in order to make that a reality um, w- without actually having to win the lottery. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, so thinking through sort of like that daily rhythm of what you want your life to be like, that could be really helpful for some. In previous episodes, we've even kind of referred to it as like designing your life. Uh, and we've included some questions that pertain to that in the money mission statement. And so, yeah, you know, like at the end of it, like while I wouldn't see us making any serious changes to our life, I can definitely see ways that we could use that money to essentially reinforce and to, to complement the life that we are seeking to live right now. You're not going to go get out and get like that new electric Hummer or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there's like a new electric van, I don't know. Like maybe we, we would do that. But yeah, Hummer, that I've would be... I've been talking about that for years, okay? Don't that, steal my VW electric van. <laughs> that would be a drastic change. And so we're less... I'm At this point in my life, I'm less interested in making serious changes to my life as opposed to like more wind in the sails that are pushing me towards the things that I'm, I'm already pursuing. Yeah, and I hope that you know most of our listeners find themselves in a position like that where a lump sum of money would be helpful, but not life-changing, right? In the way that so many lottery winners want it to be. They want to completely change their life. And hopefully we are able to find enough satisfaction where we are currently uh, that it would be more fuel for the fire than it would be just like, all right, I'm buying a private island, you know, that, that kind of response. Right. But yeah, let's talk about Matt lessons that we can learn if we did somehow win the lottery or, you know, at least what to do if an unexpected lump sum falls into your lap. Yeah, just some practical steps. It, like exactly. make sure that you think through some of these things before you do anything. Yes, yes. Yeah, hopefully, you know, if you won the lottery because you just like randomly found a ticket lying on the ground as opposed to actually going into the gas station and buying that ticket every week. Would you week. pick it up off the ground? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd pick up the winning ticket off the ground. All right. <laughs> that goes back to our earlier discussion. But yeah, the the this advice ultimately extends far beyond just winning millions, right? It it speaks to what you would do if you receive an inheritance of, let's say, even you know $50,000, which is a big sum of money. And for most of us, that would have the ability to jumpstart a whole lot of our like career or money goals. That's a a lot that could fall into your lap. And you want to have at least thought through what you would do with it. You want to use it wisely, not in a spur of the moment decision. You don't want life-changing money to hit and then to screw it up. Like that, that would be demoralizing. 
That's right. Uh, and so the first tip, the first lesson that we have for folks that we would recommend is to stay anonymous, uh, not living in a, a flashy kind of way. Even if you can afford to, it's probably good for you mentally anyway. I think that would probably be a good sign of overall health. <laughs> Even if we're just you know talking about a smaller inheritance, it's probably best to not spread that news around to your entire friend group. We would recommend uh, for you to be a little more discerning with who you talk to about it. And this might sound like it kind of flies in the face of our goal to, to get people to open up and talk about their money, but it actually doesn't. Talking about the big money that you've come into can create jealousy. It can create division. Uh, even amongst good friends, uh, it can really hurt your, your relationships. And so we want you to keep that in mind. You know, even on an individual level, it can be difficult to figure out what you want to do with this money. Uh, and I can imagine it would only be even harder if you have uh, a litany of folks who are also speaking into your life, projecting their values and how, you know, they feel that, that they wish that they could spend their time uh, and kind of pushing that on you. Or, or they might come ask Asking you for you know some seed money to start their sure, business or exactly. a handout or something like Don't that. Don't you want to be like Mark Cuban and get this thing off the ground? <laughs> exactly. You can be the Shark Tank for me now, and that can create a whole lot of awkwardness. So I, I agree, Matt. I think totally. staying anonymous and not like blasting it out there to everyone how much money you just landed upon. That's a really good thing to avoid if you just stumbled upon uh, some life-changing money, uh, whether it's through an inheritance or whatnot. Uh, another lesson that we think that anybody inheriting a good sum of money should should implement is to slowly increase spending in a few areas that you've identified as being the places that move the needle for you. Right? I mentioned folk art and travel as two spending categories that I would amplify. I know that now. And so if I do somehow, for some reason, inherit more money, then I know that those are two places I am more than happy and more than willing to increase my spending. But then there are other spending categories that would stay the same for me, like keeping that old car and staying in my current home. Uh, I think for all of us, we would find that additional money. Uh, it's easy to just absorb it into your lifestyle, but it's going to have an amplified effect if it's targeted towards just a couple of areas that you get a lot of pleasure from. Otherwise, it's going to be that easy come, easy go. It is going to be funneled out really quickly, and it's not going to have the impact on your well-being and your happiness that you want it to. That's right. Another lesson we have for folks is uh, that no matter what money gear you're in, Spending a, a small amount, uh, like maybe 10% of a lump sum or, or maybe even less than that if you're talking about millions of dollars, but spending that in any way you choose, uh, we feel that that might be able to provide the strength for you to do smarter things with the other 90%. We feel that it's okay to splurge, but we would want you to splurge thoughtfully in a way that aligns with your money mission statement. Because again, we've referred to this almost uh, as like a pressure release valve in the past. Uh, and if you've got this iron tank in if the pressure gets too high, well, if there's no release valve and you know the alternative is just for it to explode and for you to lose all that pressure, well, we would rather you lose a little bit of pressure off on the side uh, in order to maintain the you know the overall majority, the bulk of that pressure to do good things that you want to be able to see get accomplished. Yeah, man, I think of like a yo-yo diet where people just are constantly bouncing back and forth between you know, gaining weight or losing weight. It's, if it's not sustainable, then What's it's the going to lead to something like that. Exactly. exactly. And so I think, yeah, you need almost that pressure release valve so that you can pursue the greater good by being able to apportion a small percentage towards some spending now that's going to allow you to stay the course. Uh, I think one of the other lessons that it's important to heed if you do end up with a lump sum of money as well is to pay attention to the secondary costs of any of the stuff that you end up buying. 
like let's say you you did inherit some money and you were like it's been a priority for us to get into bigger housing and now is the time well that's great but it's important to note that a bigger house means higher property taxes and more money to upkeep right you're mm-hmm. going to be spending more on repairs and yeah let's say uh, a new car is something like you i've been meaning to upgrade my wheels now that i got this lump sum it's the perfect time for me to get a new car in my life well it's going to mean higher insurance costs and uh th- those are the kind of secondary costs that we want you to prior- prioritize and to think about before you make that spend let's take it to the extreme i'm thinking about like mc hammer back in the day when he was worth a ton and he bought like this huge house and bought a bunch of racehorses <laughs> yeah like I don't know like a full like a dozen racehorses and you know what horses cost a lot of money there's a lot of That's people right. that are required in order to keep these horses healthy <laughs> it's it's way more than just the price of that horse yeah. <laughs> it's the price of the land and the stables and the food yeah. and the people that are gonna you know help you keep those horses in good shape and then of course ultimately he ended up bankrupt so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so don't follow don't, don't be like MC Hammer <laughs> exactly uh, the same thing Matt on a smaller level too if you buy some golf clubs it's like well now I'm gonna go want to play play more golf and right. it's going to mean higher greens fees for you maybe, or even like the reverse if maybe you join, some fresh new polos if I don't you, know. yeah well if you flip it right and if you join a fancy club and say like, oh man everybody here at this fancy club i've upgraded my friends and so now these new friends require that i have new clubs yeah a new car oh maybe we should move into the same part of town that they move into these are all things that we want you to consider when you're thinking about making some changes to your life that could drastically upend it that would be uh, an example of the Diderot effect, right? Where, what yep. was it, that French philosopher, he got a new robe, and then he was like, man, everything else looks dingy now. It's like, my waistcoat is beautiful, <laughs> but everything else looks terrible. Right. Yep. You don't want to be in that position. It, you know, it's okay to spend some of the lump sum that you receive. Just don't spend more of it than you want to. And if you don't factor in the secondary costs, well, you're bound to do exactly that. You are going to spend more than you want to because you haven't really thought through the full ramifications of where that first dollar goes and how other dollars are going to flow in that direction, too. Yeah. In that vein, be cognizant of uh, taxes, you know. While there's no federal tax on inherited money, at least below a, a high, really high threshold, some states do have an inheritance tax on the books. Uh, others don't. So if you inherit an IRA, it's important to know about the 10-year rule. It's important to know about the ordinary income taxes that you'll owe when you start pulling money out. And so keep that in mind because poor planning can mean that you aren't prepared for a major tax bill that comes due. Uh, you don't want to find yourself in that situation. Yep. So those are the, the main rules we would say to pay attention to if you did somehow win the lottery or just get a lump sum you know, in, in your lap, which sounds like it's great. It sounds all good, but there are some downsides and there are things that you have to think through so that you don't squander that kind of money, right? And it, it's kind of funny to sit back and dream about what you would do with millions of dollars. That seems like an easy thing. Like just sit back and think about it and bask in the glory that would be your riches. Uh, but when we look at the evidence of how instant millionaires actually react, the eventual results that happen in the years that follow within three to five years, most of them are bankrupt. You know, we see that this question is actually, it's harder than an initially seems or then it appears on its face. You know, some real introspection is necessary if we're going to be able to handle uh, money that comes into our lives well, especially unexpected money. And while a lump sum of money can be a big help when it comes to paying off debt or jumpstarting another financial goal, we might just find that money isn't the only solution to some of our biggest goals and desires. I think a lot of how to money listeners, Matt, are going to find that they actually have enough on hand now 
to pursue right. some of those goals without delay, that they're not going to have to wait until uh, they do stumble upon some sort of inheritance from an unknown relative. As they ask themselves some of these questions, they're going to realize, you know what, I have more ability to pursue some of those things that I say are important that I just haven't started pursuing yet. Many folks are going to be able to get started on their dreams and on those goals, I think, sooner than they thought possible. That's right. Yeah, it doesn't take a million dollars. It doesn't take winning the lottery in order to live the kind of life that you would be happy living right now. And on that note, Joel, uh, a life that we're happy living is one that includes craft beer. On this episode, you and I enjoyed a crucial, crucial taunt. taunt. What is that? There's like some sort of kid song or kid saying that's like, uh, dun, 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 dun. Now I want my money back. What is that? What is that saying? <laughs> um, circle, circle, dot, dot. Yeah, not. circle, circle, dot, dot. Now I want my cootie shot. Yes. Now, okay, that's, that's what I'm thinking of. Something like that. On that note, make sure to get your vaccine if you haven't gotten <laughs> your, your cootie shot. But yeah, this is Crucial, Crucial, Taunt, Taunt, Enhanced. This is a, a beer by The Vale out of Richmond, Virginia. Uh, the last of a few Vale beers that we've been having recently. What were your thoughts on this one, bud? Dude, this was another great one from them. They're one of my new favorite breweries. I love that they're not too far up the coast from us. But the hops, I would say, oh, yeah. are vicious in the best way. <laughs> like they, they are attacking. It's like a band of marauding hops has just come and assaulted my tongue. Uh, but I am more than happy with that because it was delightfully tasty. It was refreshing, but it's not thirst quenching. It's not that kind of beer. It's not. Mm. It's it, not juicy. I would not say. Um, although it has elements it's of that, like the fruity elements, but it it does kind of end on a dry note. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so intense. It's hard to be refreshing. But on occasion, I like a really intense beer, and this was a good example of a really intense IPA. Yeah, I think the intensity for me is translated through like that tingle. Yeah. Uh, that you you f- you feel sometimes with like a freshly hopped IPA, or in this case, just a double dry hopped IPA. It's like pop rocks in a beer, kind of. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's almost it almost has this uh, like numbing effect on your mouth, but I don't know. That, that makes it sound like it's not good, <laughs> like numbing in a good way, but super dank, juicy in the sense that it had like the fruit going you know going on. It wasn't like this. It wasn't like drinking orange juice, but above everything else, it had that tingly nature going on uh, and a sharpness that accompanied it uh, that oftentimes you find in a blue cheese. Not what most folks are looking for when they're drinking a beer, but I still can't remove myself from thinking about that dry sharpness uh, when it comes to some of these beers that are really hop like this. That's why The Veil is not going to have us do any of their commercials anytime soon, I'm sure. Not, I don't even know if they do commercials, but... It tastes like a Caesar salad. <laughs> but it really is good, and they make yep. they, they make just some really good beers. So. Really delicious. And it's got this dope label where it almost looks like you should be wearing like 3D glasses yes, as yeah. you're looking at it. Actually, I wonder what it would look like if you had on like those red and blue glasses. I wish I had a pair hanging out here. I don't. Uh, unfortunately, we don't. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, this was out of Richmond, Virginia. And again, this is the Vale Brewing Company. And I'm glad that you and I got to enjoy this one on the show. But that is going to be it for this episode. Listeners can find all of our show notes up on the website at howtomoney.com. And we will make sure to link to that worksheet for you to fill out your own money mission statement. We think that that could help you tremendously when it comes to knowing what you should be setting your sights on with your money. Yeah, and just know that Matt and I, we always love to hear from listeners. Feel free to drop us a line at howtomoneypod at gmail.com, especially if you do have a chance to do this money mission statement. Let us know if it's helpful. But that is going to do it for this episode. Matt, until next time, best friends out. Best friends out.
Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.